When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. DNBR, when you sign up for a new account, you get amazing odds boost every single day. Rudo, AJ, Megan, and Jesse coming at you live on a Wednesday. Uh, the worst day, in fact, of the week. Everybody wants to talk about Mondays, but Wednesdays are garbage. Not a hump day fan? No. Fuck Wednesday. Did you guys know... The woot woot after an abs goal is from the Geico hump day commercial. Yes. Very, uh, very odd thing to know. <laughs> it, it was like three years ago. Yeah, just and, remember and, being around for it. Yeah, <laughs> it was like, it was like three years ago and we were sitting there. I don't even remember who I was sitting next to, but I was like, where is that from? And then it was like two days late. Like, and we started talking about where's it from? Where could it possibly be from? Oh, I think it's just a sound effect they made. And then I was just like walking, like the TV was on in the background a couple days later. And I, uh, I heard the hump day. Whoop, whoop. And I like stopped me in my tracks. I was like, that's it. Oh my God. <laughs> Sometimes uh, you find things out. You didn't know, I guess. That's... There you go. Hopefully uh, we can learn you something you didn't know about game one here. We might talk about the Eagles a little bit later in the show too, given uh the color, the state of Colorado, at least when it comes to hockey, still hasn't lost a playoff game this year. So did, that's, the, did the Grizzlies lose yet? I don't know if the Grizzlies have. I haven't kept up with the ECHL. Playoff. Yeah, but they're in they're in Utah. They are technically in Utah. Yeah, but that's Avalanche organization. Yeah, but he said state of Colorado, so same, same, but different. True. Want to know if the Avs organization has lost in the postseason yet? <laughs> Yeah, Megan uh, decided to live in a place that had to test their fire alarms today. So, <laughs> just as be- we were getting ready to do this. <laughs> By the way, terrifying voice in your apartment, Megan. Yeah, my apartment doesn't do that. They just set off the fire alarms. They're just like, "Good luck." Yeah, Maybe it's a test. You might die. As we were getting set up, hearing like the uh, like the PSA for it was like. A little, little disconcerting. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> there's you got you got all sorts of voices on. Wait, your wait, wait. Just, just like a, like is this now like a real person on the intercom? Evacuate the building by the nearest exit. Do not use the. Yeah. <laughs> wow! <laughs> wow! <laughs> this is that like. 
that fire alarm is something that would be going off for eternity in purgatory. Yeah. The please, please evacuate. For some reason, the word evacuate made that just like yeah. that much more ominous. Not like, oh, <laughs> proceed to the nearest exit. Get out. Evacuate now. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's uh, let's let's dive into some actual hockey talk here. Uh, on paper, I'm still pretty confident that the Avs dominated St. Louis the other night. But AJ, which by the way, if you haven't go read his piece um, on the coaching matchup and the line matchups from Game One, highly recommend you go check that out. But what? Uh, give us some highlights here, AJ. Yeah, basically, uh, if St. Louis is going to run the 11-7 alignment that they ran last night and that they ran at the end of the Minnesota series, which is why I thought it was interesting to um, – why I wanted to write about it because they, they're running with this. Um, Tori Krug is hurt. Marco Scandell is hurt. They're trying, to, they're trying to piece together their defense with a couple of different guys who aren't any good. And – uh, the best way the the best way that they can kind of attack Colorado's lineup is with eleven seven, and defensively there isn't anything that St. Louis can do. There's no matchup that that goes their that goes their way. Every single one of You're those. Trying to tell me Callie Rosen can't hang? Yeah, Callie Rosen. So Callie Rosen doesn't play special teams, so he's exclusively an even strength player, and he gets rocked at even strength. So not great, uh, but like Callie Rosen and Justin Falk is their like actual second pairing. Like that's, they have chosen to do that. And uh, Nick Letty and Colton Pareko, their top pairing. So that's their, like, that's where they're going. That's what they've decided to do. And uh, the, the 11-7 alignment basically allows for them to focus mostly on their top nine forwards, which is really like their top eight, uh, because Barbashev is sort of a, like a half step below those those eight guys. Um, and they can go, and with the Colorado playing 12-6, they can, they can, you know, kind of hunt out Colorado's like third and fourth lines with, the, with you know, a third line full of guys that scored 20 goals and 60 points this year. Like it's a very, very deep forward core. So they've got, th- that's like their advantage is that they've got Brandon Sod on their third line and the abs have Nicholas Abe Kubel. And in theory, going after Colorado's bottom six with that forward core uh, should be advantageous. And last night it just, was it? I don't know. No. no. Uh, Confer, Confer's line was just fine. Eh, uh, eh. Confer's line, Confer's eh. line broke even against the second line of St. Louis, and then won its matchup against the third line. They, they were getting caved for the first two periods, though. Okay. Well. But at, at the end of the game, three and a right. half periods in you're the right. game last night. You're right. So they, they, uh, that like that's that's where Colorado is going to feel comfortable. Hey, if if that's how it's going for you, and that's the result that they got, is that Comfort Burkowski and Abe Kubel all ended up like 
deeply positive in shot metrics uh, and scoring chances and all that. Great. Yeah, I, I mean, you look at the metrics of that overtime period, and it's hard to argue against anything the Avs did. Because yeah, I mean, the overtime was outrageous. Yeah, like it's <laughs> one team wanted to win that game, and the other wanted to watch Jordan Bennington make saves. So true. Um, as you kind of dig through this, because we we did mention this the other night, but. How valuable is the Avs' defensive matchups here? Because obviously Gerard and Manson get the goals, win the game for them. But going beyond that, you mentioned the injuries St. Louis is battling through. We saw it against Nashville as well. The defense activating is just something teams struggle with against Colorado. Yeah, and now with the current alignment, I mean, with these three set pairings that they have, you know, Taves and McCarr is obviously a handful. Um, Gerard and Manson has been problematic since they got put together the last month of the season. And with Byram and EJ, they are... They are are as solid a third pairing as you'll find in the NHL right now. Byram EJ might be the best third pairing remaining in the postseason. And that's that's causing that's that's going to be a chess piece that the Abs have in every series that they that, that they go into is that they can comfortably put their third pairing out with their top line and not feel like they're giving a ton up. Like there's still there's still the potential that they can make plays on offense, that they can generate offense, that they can get scoring chances. I mean, EJ should have had a goal last night. Byram should have had an assist. Like let's be real here. Those guys should have gotten some of the pub that Gerard and Manson ended up with. Until EJ biffed it, but yeah, well, you got to finish. And well, yeah. that, that's see, I don't know. That's that's a tough one. And this coming from me, I don't put that on. E, like that's that's such shit luck. I was talking to uh, I think Peter Baugh this morning, and just like you watch that reverse angle. And I mean that puck just skips on him. Yeah, it's a bouncing puck, but I mean, dude, it's, an, it's an open net. You got to finish. I mean, it's a bouncing puck. Uh, he had <laughs> there's the, context. There. The dude had a week and a half to settle that thing and still shoot it into an empty net. Like I don't and know. Like, he he even like he even he gets a piece of it and he gets it's on net. Like he he makes he like made it work. Uh, but he gave Bennington every opportunity to just flop the arm out there. And, it, you know, he just didn't finish it. He, bouncing puck or whatever. Always in the NHL. Yeah. <laughs> when it's yeah, not your it's... night, it's not your night, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's like the story of Colorado's night. They they left they left goals on the ice all night. So, yep. you know, bouncing puck, posts, whatever, whatever you want to talk about it, like, they left goals on the ice. That's on them. That's all it is. It's, it's how hockey. It's how hockey works. But they left goals out there. Uh, Jesse, you were in the building. I'm. I'm curious what the atmosphere was for this game because obviously it's a playoff game. It's going to be hype. Yeah. But it, it, was there a certain level of frustration with the five posts that the Avs hit with with all of that building throughout the game? Did it cost them home ice advantage a little bit? Did were the fans engaged still even with all of the nonsense? 
Yeah. So, you know, it was, it was funny cause the, the game started and it's almost impossible to ever replicate like that energy from round one game one first playoff game. Yeah. But like there, there was, it, it was good energy in the building. And once it got going, you could tell that first five minutes, the building just wanted a goal. Like it was just, it was ready to, you know, really start, start rocking. St. Louis scored and that really, you know, that kind of sucked the air out a bit. But as that period wore on and the abs started upping the pressure, there wasn't that like nervous tension there normally is at, at an intermission if you're down. Um, and then they just started pouring it on so heavily at the start of the second that it kind of got everyone back into that, that start of the game vibe where everyone was just waiting for the goal. You didn't want uh, St. Louis to get that next one because I feel like that really would have been kind of like a gut punch for the crowd and it would have taken them completely out of it. Once Val scored that goal, though, I mean, the, the, the frustration, you know, in terms of them not being able to find a goal didn't seem to impact like the energy in the building. And I think a lot of that was just because after the first period, for the vast majority, obviously there's pockets here and there, but they carried the play so heavily that it was easy for the crowd to stay engaged, which, you know, I, I try not to put too, too much stock into how the crowd affects the teams on the ice because crowd's not on the ice. Um, but, you know, this team, you, you can't argue with their home record this year. Um, there's something they seem to gain off of, off of a high energy crowd. Um, but, but I really do. I think that, it was, it was kind of like everything was just kind of like feeding itself. They, they were pushing, which was feeding the crowd. Then the crowd was feeding them to continue pushing the way that they were. Um, but no, I, I was actually impressed at, at how much the, the building stayed engaged in, in honestly, what was like a pretty frustrating game. How much credit do the abs get for being mentally tough in this game? Because yes, Certainly from period two onward, they completely dominated St. Louis at five on five. There's no doubt there, but I don't think we give the abs enough credit, at least this year's version of the abs, enough credit for things happen and they kind of just stay even keel. We've seen previous years where when things don't go their way, the abs start to get frustrated. They start gripping the sticks a little bit too high, too tight. Is this, hey, tip of the cap to the Avs for, for staying in the moment? Or is this, uh, well, they dominated the game, so it's whatever. Well, dude, I, so I, I, I just wrote a piece earlier this week talking about exactly that. That is what I, I haven't been able to like put my finger on it all year, what it is. But it's exactly what you're talking about. And I noticed it most significantly in game two of the first round. I mean, dominate dominant isn't even like enough of a word to describe. Here we go. Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, he gone the way that the abs, uh, you know, controlled game two against Nashville. They were everywhere. If it wasn't for Connor Ingram, that scores nine, nothing. Right. That was a game that I think in the past form, you know, abs teams of old would have lost that game in overtime. Ripping the stick too tight you know, try, trying to force passes. And it kind of felt the same way last night, but in both instances stuck with their process and just kept doing the same thing and trusted as long as we keep doing this, 
the puck will eventually go in and will be on the right side of this. Uh, Jared Bednar has talked about that over the course of the season, that if we come, you know, come every night and put in the work and follow our process more often than not, things are going to go our way and throw over, over the course of a game. If you stick to your process and put in the work more times than not, the game is going to go your way. And I thought that was another great example of that last night. Uh, okay. Megan, you have uh, very much sold me on EJ Condor lore. AJ's talking about <laughs> the the oh. third pairing being maybe the best left, left in the playoffs. I want to look ahead a little bit here. How important is it that the Avs third pair and to a lesser extent, their second pair stay as good as they have been in the playoffs so far. Uh-oh. Oh no. Uh-oh. That's, that's hilarious timing. Did the internet crap out it's... for a lot of other people. Just you. <laughs> I heard somebody... somebody's having the worst day. Yeah. Was it oh. just me? I froze. It was just you. Oh no! And it was on like it was like the breath in to start talking. Yeah, (laughs) it was amazing timing. Oh my gosh! I'll be I'll be right back. Hold on. (laughs) All right. Well, Megan uh, sorts out her internet. We are brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. You can get eight different kinds on tap down at the DNVR bar. Uh, and you can also find it at a local liquor store near you. Also, Breck Brew is sending two Avs fans to every home playoff game. Yes, that includes the one tomorrow. Yes, that includes round three. Yes, that includes the cup finals if the Avs make it that far. So go to breckbrew.com. Get yourself sorted out. Uh, get yourself a chance to win some playoff tickets. Go to that awesome building and, and experience the vibe. Because if you've never been to an NHL playoff game, it, you cannot describe it to someone. You actually just have to go to one. So go check that out for sure. Uh, also brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, number one rated sportsbook app out there. If you go and use code DNVR and when you sign up for a new account today, you can get a $5 bet on any NBA playoff game that you don't have to win. You just have to make it. And you get $150 in free bets on DraftKings to go bet on whatever you want under the sun doesn't matter whether it's hockey baseball football genuinely anything that you can think of that is a sport that you can bet on let's see yeah yeah they got the american cornhole league coming up on friday you can you can bet on that uh they have some ultimate frisbee and the new york empire are the favorites in ultimate frisbee they have another chess tournament tomorrow. You can bet on that. You name it. You can bet on. Can you just bet? Can you, can you? Are there props in chess, or is it just betting on winners? Uh, I only see winners bets at the moment. Damn. But I live betting. You never know. Just curious because I, you know, some some chess props could be fun. There you go. You can bet your mortgage on the Rapids, like I do every game. Perfect. Uh, a, a great option for you. Uh, <laughs> either way, head over to DraftKings Sportsbook. Use the DNVR code. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Other terms, restrictions, and conditions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. 
Uh, of course, you have a gambling problem. Call 1-800-522-4700. Also, great time to sign up for a DNVR Avalanche membership. Obviously, you get all of our amazing playoff coverage, whether it be supporting us for all these YouTube videos or getting all the written content that we have on the site. Highly recommend either way you get in on that. If you get the annual membership, it also comes with a free shirt. I believe there's still a few Kadri shirts left. Not many. They might not have your size. It just depends on what's left. Still have the playoff shirt that we did with Breck Brew, too, uh, that you can get with Howler on it. So Beautiful shirt. It, it is dope. It, it really is amazing. So go check those out. Go consider supporting us with the DNVR Avalanche membership. Uh, yeah, there's the shirts right there. Look at those. Look at those amazing things. Uh, could be, you know, that shirt only has two cups on it. That could be a, that could be a limited time only thing with only two Out, cups. Outdated, hopefully. Yeah, that's the idea, at least. Uh, all right. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Hopefully, Megan is good to go. Wanted your thoughts on the importance of the third pairing going forward in these playoffs and, and how much of a difference they make for the Avs. Well, it only adds to their depth and specific to Johnson and Byram. They're both players that I think are under different circumstances looking better at a gradual pace at the perfect time. Like Byram, obviously, his circumstances are returning from a serious injury, but he has been a little less visible since his return, but I'm starting to see him improve and grow more comfortable out there. Um, And kind of similarly with EJ, he's finding areas of his game um, that I think I wouldn't trust him to capitalize on earlier in the season, but it's working for him right now. And so that just only adds to the ads decor depth. And it makes, you know, we talked about matchups earlier in the pod that just makes it harder to match up against the abs. Yep. I think this is a third pairing. That would be a second pairing on a different NHL team. I, I have a follow-up question. Did EJ rope us a little this year? Was he just cruising through the regular season? And then once he was healthy for the playoffs, he was like, all right, the real Eric Johnson is back, baby. Because he looks totally different. The five playoff games uh, have been his five best games of the season. Oh, dude, I, I think it goes beyond this season. Like, you know, Jared Bednar said this morning, he thinks these have been the five best games he played. he's played since Bednar got to town. And, like, obviously – I can't think of every Eric Johnson game over the last five years, but like these are right up there. Like he's been great. He's been great in these first five games. Yeah, no, he's, uh, he's been great, but no, you know, Megan, you make a good point there about matchups and that's something that, you know, you and I have talked about up in the press box. We've talked about on this show, the abs, the three D pairings as they're constructed right now, obviously when they're healthy, that is their biggest X factor in every game, every playoff series. And you go back to, again, game two of round one in overtime. It's the fourth line forwards for the abs with Kale McCarr and Devon Taves on defense. You have the two best offensive players on the ice and Kale McCarr ends up being the one scoring the goal. Their D pairings from their top pairing down to their third pairing with the way that they're playing right now are their biggest weapon in terms of matchups right now in the playoffs. And I, the thing is like, it goes beyond for me, at least just playing well, which, which they absolutely are. You've, you've seen the offensive impact of the Avs defense. We've talked about it a ton as a 
third pairing, Eric Johnson and Bowen Byram through these five games have only been on the ice at five on five for one goal against in five playoff games. If that's what you're getting out of your third pair, like they've also been on the ice for five goals for, by the way, which is great. But if your third pairing is giving up one goal against every five games, I mean, that's an unbelievable boon to a hockey team that we talk about these bottom pairings, fourth line where you're like, Oh, if you can just get by with those guys and they're crushing teams with them, it's, it's way more than just getting by. Yeah. For the record. Uh, I literally have this in front of me. Uh, EJ and Byram 53, 55 played at five B five in the postseason. Uh, Corsi is 71% shots for a 69%. Expected goals for a 70%. Scoring chances a 79%. And high danger chances a 76%. So there isn't an aspect of any of this that they're not dominating in. The one thing is that they are getting sheltered. Well, they are a third pair. That's literally their entire job. Big surprise. <laughs> But yes, their their offensive zone starts uh, are a little bit high, but also the abs because of their territorial dominance through five games start in the offensive zone more often than other teams. So all of their pairings have uh, uh, are higher in offensive zone starts than any of their other pairings. Uh. Who wants to talk about the Evs' flexibility? Because I do think we saw a good amount of that in game one. Burkowski dropping down to the third line at times. Some other random switches and swaps. We've seen uh, them YOLO Byram occasionally up with McCarr for an offensive zone face-off or, or things like that. Do we expect to see more of that, particularly once the Evs go on the road against St. Louis? Or where is that headed? I don't. Uh, I think that I think that one of the big feathers in in Bedner's cap and Colorado's cap right now is the stability that they have. They don't need to tinker. Each one of their pairings gives them strong defensive presence with offensive upside. You just don't need to mess with it if you don't want to. Now, coming off of, you know, if they if they uh, are coming off of a penalty kill or a power play or whatever, you know how that can get a little jumbled because Taves and Gerard play together. And, and so things can get a little, as they work their way back into their normal alignment after that, uh, then you might see, you might see a little bit of shifting there, but otherwise they can just roll their pairings just as is. They're very comfortable playing together. And I think Bedner and Pratt have to do less tinkering than they ever have because they, they have, confidence in each of those pairings and there is two-way upside this is not like nemeth graves or johnson and, and johnson where you're like oh well defensively you hope that they're good those the, the it's just not none of those pairings are like that they can all score they can all drive offense they can all create and they have the all three of those pairings have generated a ton of scoring chances so are you are you asking Rudo just about the D pairings or are you asking about just in general? No, forwards too, just total. So I I actually I 
I disagree with AJ, but I agree with a lot of what he just said. I agree with a lot of what he just said, but I, I do think that they are going to just kind of keep things, you know, fresh. I think that's why they experimented with so much down the stretch. I think that's why Jared Bednar is being so extra, you know, a little cute with his lineups and all that stuff. I think he wants to have as many different looks to throw at teams as possible. Um, and where I agree with AJ's, I don't think they're going to tinker with the lines. I think they are always going to come back to these pairings that we're seeing and the lineups that, that you're seeing start every game. But I do think he likes that. Uh, there was twice that I can think of off the top of my head last night. He got an offensive zone start. And one time he went with McCarr, uh, Gerard. One time he went with McCarr Byram. There was a bunch of times he went with McCarr Taves. I just think he's going to try to give different looks, especially when you're playing a team that's got the depth that, that St. Louis does to be able to match the abs. Uh, I, I just think that, especially when you're in St. Louis, if they're going to try to get specific matchups, cool. I'll throw a couple different combinations out there. You aren't really ready for, and uh, you know, make you kind of think twice. So I think he'll do that, but I do agree with AJ that largely, I don't think you're going to see them changing things up to start games. I think they'll experiment within the 60 minutes. Okay. So we have one, keep it the same one experiment. Megan, you're the tiebreaker. I feel like too, my stance feels like it's a middle ground between both of these, but it's because what I think you're talking about are situational in-game adjustments that happen for maybe a singular shift. And I think that is a strength of the avalanche to be able to do that for something like an ozone face-off, right? They can, especially with home ice and last change, make little in-game adjustments to give them the greatest advantage possible. But ultimately, I think they go back to the same pairs, the same lines, because those are what works for them. But I, I think it is still a strength that they can make little tweaks in-game just situationally. 100%. Yep. Push comes to shove. Avs go back to three-headed monster? Or, or is Nuke stuck on that top line? After what the Kadri, Lekin, and Landeskog trio did last night. It I'm was not, pretty nuts. I'm not, I'm not messing with that a whole lot. I mean, the occasional, like, last shift of the period, throw him yeah. out there, sure. But well, and there was, there was yeah. one last night. Just don't think that for an extended period of time? No. Yeah, no, I'm I'm fully with AJ. There, there was one shift last night where uh, I think the Avs got the Blues stuck out there on like consecutive icings. And for the second icing, they swapped Nuke for Landy. But that was like what AJ was just saying. There was 90 seconds left in the period. That was probably going to be that line's last shift, um, you know, before the intermission. Um, again, I just think like Megan was saying, that's a great option to have in your back pocket because you know that, that has the chemistry there and that that's your kind of big guns. But with, with the way that the Landeskog line played last night and as good as Nachushkin has been on that top line, just leave it. Let it ride. Okay. Here for it. Uh, we are brought to you by uh, a company. Mm, yes. Avaca <laughs> TV. In fact, if you uh, didn't know, there's a channel on Avaca TV that broadcasts DNBR now, which is the coolest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. So go get Avaca TV just for that. You can watch Altitude and then swap it over 
right the DNVR channel and catch the post game show like that, or AT and T Sports Network, or the national channels if you're trying to watch football or or, or catch some ESPN hockey or otherwise. So go over to avaca.tv slash DNVR. That's E-V-O-C-A dot TV slash DNVR. When you use the DNVR code, the first three months, just 15 bucks a month, which is absurdly cheap for television that just, it's super easy. It just plugs right into your TV and it works. Even after the deal, it's only 25 bucks a month. So still like a third the price of other TV providers, if not better than that. I it's very simple. It's very affordable. Anyone in the Denver metro area should just switch to it. And also they have some other random locations around the country like Idaho. If one of those is an option for you, would highly recommend you guys go check it out. And then we get to tell you that we're TV stars now. So That's right. Don't forget it. You know, we're, we're the high rollers now. <laughs> no, one, uh, no one can touch us. Something like that. I don't know. Uh, go check out Avaca TV today. Uh, highly recommend. Those guys are amazing. And, of course, also brought to you by Lightshade. You can find one of their 11 locations in the Denver metro area. Highly recommend their Ripple products that they sell in store. Uh, like, So, you know, when you were in college and you were learning how to make edibles and they all tasted like really shitty weed? Yeah, Ripple. Was, it, was this a class that you took? We had I mean, a different college experience. <laughs> I was supposed to be in class when I was doing it. You know, middle school home ec, and they're teaching was, you how to make edibles. I was going to say that Colorado State education. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. different, man. Yo, my upstairs neighbor taught us how to do knife hits. It was a different time. Okay. Colorado Mountain <laughs> College or some shit? Damn. Uh, but Ripple solves any of those problems because it's a tasteless. Uh, I guess salt, you would call it a tasteless powder that you can just pour into like your brownie batter or your lemonade or anything you want. And it, you just, it's like drinking lemonade, but it also, it's got THC in it now. It's amazing. It's genuinely like the coolest product I've ever seen when it comes to CBD and THC. So go check them out. Uh, they also have their rip sticks, which you can just pour right on your tongue. If you need the, if you need some fast acting THC, that stuff activates in like 10 minutes get you as what a as name the ripsticks yeah ripsticks <laughs> it's very like 90s hardcore it's, i was gonna say it branding sounds, yeah it sounds like a 90s attempt at selling hockey sticks i feel like it wasn't uh weren't ripsticks those things that you had to like swivel yeah, the, on the single wheel the... yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah 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 okay yeah yeah great product <laughs> Okay, go over to Lightshade just for the naming branding of these products. Only. <laughs> uh, you can get 25% off with code DNVR2, so you can get some great deals. Uh, <laughs> I highly recommend 11 different locations uh, in the Denver metro area. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Uh, I don't want to put any pressure on the entire Avalanche organization, but... <laughs> <laughs> the win the Kelly Cup, win the Calder Cup, win the Stanley Cup, three triple, the triple crown, as they say, is on the line here. All all three levels of professional avalanche organization is still in it. The Grizzlies are in the conference finals. The Eagles are about to start their conference finals next week. And the Avs in round two, obviously. Um, 
Eagles are taking on Stockton Heat. I, I don't want to be down on them, but I feel like they have the hardest series coming up right now, Megan. So hold on. Before we even get there, I just got to ask this question. Megan, did you see this coming? Like, did you see them getting this far, let alone in the fashion that they've gotten there? No, not to diminish the season that they had, but I just yeah. feel like they're a different team in the playoffs than they were in the regular season yeah. in a good way. I, yeah, no, for sure. I just, you know, obviously I'm not as quite like dialed into the minutia of the Eagles as you are, but like I, I, I consider myself to be like relatively tuned into like what they've got going on. And I was like, oh, nice. You know, another nice, you know, they, they comfortably got into the playoffs, kind of see how the first round goes. I didn't see them being fucking five and O oh heading into the conference finals. It's good for yeah. them. Uh, so Rusco is correct. I guess technically the quadruple crown is still on the line because DU did win. Can't take <laughs> anything away from, from the college. It's not professional at that point, but still. Um, if, so look, if, if the Eagles and the abs win their respective cups, uh, Colorado's the new state of hockey, undisputed. Minnesota can fuck itself. <laughs> we should just make state of hockey town and just take both, like all all at <laughs> once. Just like <laughs> state of hockey town sounds <laughs> the dumbest thing I've ever heard. We have to co-op this. <laughs> Start the shirt. Hockey town yeah. state of mind. I think that's where I'm going with <laughs> that one. Uh Okay, but for real, it, it is an interesting conversation with the Eagles also making a deep playoff run. First of all, Megan, expectations for Heat versus Eagles. <laughs> I feel like just stop at that facial expression. I'm sorry. Well, I underestimated the Avs, right? For their first round, I said, oh, it's going to be a six-game series. And I, I look back and I feel regret over that. And I kind of underestimated the Eagles even in their first and second round I think I had Ontario going to something like five games I think I had it going to full five um so I don't want to make that mistake again with the Eagles either especially with the momentum that they've built but um I think that this is something that they can get done in four games I think if they can win at least one um in Stockton to start the series that they'll be sitting pretty because there's just, they've described the atmosphere at Budweiser event center as like having a six man on the ice. And I think that's very true for them. And Stockton doesn't have that home ice advantage because the crowd just isn't as engaged as they are at the BEC. And so I think the Eagles can do this. It's just not going to be an easy feat because what Stockton brings to the table as a team is just really good and has been consistently all season. Oh, you're really good. Yep. Uh, good. Go. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Cause Great this is kind of, that's it. Great goaltending. Like just, they're very similar to the Eagles in a lot of ways. And that's why I'm glad to see Eustace playing as well as he is right now, because that's one of the greatest strengths of Stockton. But beyond that, there are a lot of similar tools that they both have in areas that they each excel at that I think will, we talk about matchups with the Avs, but I think there are going to be some pretty level matchups too between Stockton and Eagles, at least with respect to where the Eagles are at now. They're really healthy. They have a lot of forward depth. Is this the Shane Bowers conversation yet? <laughs> Might as well be. So, so I want to go back to what you were saying about Budweiser Event Center. Um, cause I, you may have even have been in the room 
Megan, when Dylan Sakura was on a call up and someone asked him about <clears throat> being with the Eagles. And obviously he played two seasons with Rockford, uh, you know, the ice hogs, Chicago's AHL team. Then he played with the Henderson silver Knights last year. So the guy has played a lot of AHL hockey. He's been in a lot of buildings and he, I mean, he said that building is without a doubt, the loudest, the most rowdy AHL crowd I've ever played in front of. And AJ, you and I went up there a few times um, with BSN when they were still in the ECHL. Now, something you and I commented on, like, it is just rare to find wherever it is that has a fan base that's that passionate, that engaged every single night. And, And I do feel like at that level, I absolutely feel like that makes a difference because like you go play a game at, at the SAP center for the San Jose Barracuda. The, the building is, you know, a 10th full and people are just kind of there to, ah, we can't really watch the sharks. They're not playing. They're off there on the road, whatever. Like Eagles fans, that is their team. Like they are Eagles fans and by association abs fans, not the other way around. And I think it's, it's such an interesting dynamic up there. Cause you just like, even in, again, parts of Canada, you don't see that type of support for AHL hockey teams. And I, I do just think it makes a big difference. I think you make a great point. There's a reason Stockton is relocating too, that you're just not bringing the revenue despite having such a great on ice product. And other players have reiterated the same thing about playing in front of that home crowd and Oscar Olison was really surprised by how electric it was there. It gets louder in the playoffs somehow every game. Well, AJ, I, I remember you and I being worried about them moving from the E up to the American league because we were like, wow, these fans have really become used to winning and playoff runs and watching a really successful team. And I can't help but think a little bit, obviously there's so many on ice factors and, and, you know, front office decisions that go into this. Like, I, I can't help but think that like, there is a little bit of that just like magic up there at Budweiser event center that suddenly for the first time, the abs have a somewhat successful AHL team. And it just so happens to be lined up when, with, you know, them becoming the Colorado Eagles and playing out of that building and in front of that community, again, maybe a small, tiny factor, but it, it is just a little coincidental. Yeah, I mean they've been they've been okay. Like this was the first year that they'd ever won a playoff series, um, right? So like, you know, uh, and for for the Avs, just getting to the postseason in the AH at the AHL level was an accomplishment. Big deal. This year, it was more or less given. Um, I think <laughs> another eight teams, yeah, the- <laughs> full Pacific Division got to make the playoffs, and then they whittled it down from there, but. Once in, like, obviously, this has been easily the best uh, AHL run for the Avalanche organization in a long time. And Stockton's going to be a great test. I think they finished, like, fourth overall in the league, which actually surprised me just based on where they finished in their division. And it speaks to the difficulties of playing in the Pacific Division. And I'm kind of speculating here, but I've heard different things about Cronin as a coach. And I've also heard that there's just something different about him as a coach this season that I think has really benefited the Eagles, especially from a development perspective. And I think that 
I don't know that he's changed his coaching style anyway, because I don't have a frame of reference what that looked like before, but I'm led to believe that he has made some changes and that it's been really effective with the players too. Megan, have you talked to anybody about the impact that it has being so close to the abs and the fact that I know Bednar has talked about, they have regular multiple times a week meetings with, with Cronin. I mean, Joe Sackett goes down and watches games from there more, you know, more often than probably the average GM gets to his AHL building. Do you think that has any type of impact on, on Cronin and, and his staff? I do because it's, I, I like to ask a lot of questions about the prospects and how decisions get made with call-ups. And it always leads back to this line of communication that exists between the front office and Cronin and Billington. And it sounds like they're in such regular and constant communication and involved with really micro decisions that are happening with the Eagles um, that I think that when the parent club is ex- succeeding the way that they do, it definitely has an impact on the Eagles as well. Rubs off. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Make me sad about Shane Bowers now. Right. You know, I feel like I buried the lead on that too, because it was, it was at the end of the regular season. I want to say between like March 23rd through April 2nd or 6th that he just sat a bunch of games. Um, and the concern with Bowers has always been, is it an injury? And so I asked about it and Cronin was very respectful in how he addressed this, but he talked about it being a luxury that they have the forward depth that they do. And that with Shane specifically, Um, There were a couple other guys who are also talented that were sitting at this time. It's rotated, but Fontaine has been a healthy scratch at points. Wingerly has as well. Sometimes even Burke is the odd man out, and he's also a really talented centerman that helps them a lot. Um, So with Bowers specifically, I don't know if it's really a great reflection of anything that's gone so wrong in his game, other than when he returned from injury in the season. He just wasn't that visible and didn't have a huge impact. If you look at his points totals at the end of this season, it is a little hard to justify putting him in the lineup over some other guys that have been available. And I think specifically at the end of the season, a lot of why he sat had to do with his strength. Um, I think physically the teams that they were playing were Ontario and Stockton, and they're physically such tough teams that I think he saw – Bowers is a little bit of a liability there and that's why someone like Smith played in his place because Smith is just a very big guy um so with getting this opportunity now back in the playoffs um it's a little it's serendipitous is actually how Crowen explained it because there are some guys that have been injured um that made this opportunity possible for Bowers to play again and he definitely looked visible when he did return to the lineup here in the playoffs um but I think with him throughout this season, injuries set him back, and then he had trouble making himself visible. All right. Let's jump from Bowers to a much more positive prospect story of the playoffs. Not, I guess the, the ending for Bowers there so far has been positive. I don't want to take that away from him. No, there's still opportunity there. It's just not an easy path for him right now. But at the same time, has this playoffs been the coming out party for Jean-Luc Foodie that I think it is? Yes. That's like one of my favorite storylines from what's happened in one, this entire season, just the growth that he's had as a player and what he is pulling off in the playoffs. And I tried to ask him about it. Um, and he, he just credited his line mates for, you know, hoping to make him better and was really humble about it. But 
he has developed so nicely this season. Like, still lots of work to do, but he has really come alive in the playoffs. And it doesn't hurt being on the second line. It's all about opportunity. Like, it is hard for Sample Ranta to be visible on the fourth line. But Foodie has a golden opportunity on the second line, and it's paying off in a big way. AJ, you still want to play him as a defenseman? He's going to be a great defenseman. <laughs> grown up. Oh Defensive I don't know oh if I trust him yet defensively, but he's working on it. <laughs> yeah. Look, you don't have to be that good defensively when you're scoring overtime winners, okay? Yeah, that was really poetic. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Uh, we do have a few super chats to get to here. $2 from Kevin. Can't wait for game two. Hashtag find a way. Oh my God. I got home last night and I got done with editing and it was right before I started writing. And I was like, yeah, I'm ready for game two. Let's just go. Let's go. Let's just get to it. Let's, get yep. to it. Let's just do this. $10 from Kenneth for the DNVR Stanley cup party. Dude, I, I want the M's to make the cup just because the bar is going to be actually like a madhouse if they do. Like, it's going to be so fun. Yeah. Did you the say they should close part? the block? I feel like that'd be so Oh, fun. yes. They should absolutely close the block. I keep telling Brandon this. Get a giant projector, put it on the brick building. like Just go ham. Yeah. Take over uh, the whole street. $20 from Eddie. I'm about to graduate, so I just want to shout all of you out for helping me get through the final two and a half years of high school. You guys rock, and I love all of you. Have a good pod. Bro, Eddie, that last the last year of high school. It's brutal, man. Tough, tough one to get through. I uh, all four years. The grind. <laughs> grind. Uh, yeah, appreciate you. You're one of our. You're one of our dudes, Eddie. So yeah. Bad luck that uh, we can't make the graduation party because yeah, you schedule it for an abs game day, bud. <laughs> three is at the same time, and so it was like, all right. <laughs> the way it goes um yeah i are there any topics i missed for today was there anything else anyone wanted to touch on sam gerard's doing all right uh said he's good uh i I went back and found that shift where it looked like he got stung pretty good um yeah i guess he went to the x-ray room after actually i'm glad you brought this up uh, for the record, um, since Chambers tweeted it out that he like rode the golf cart, they so always. This is where I was going with that. Yeah, yeah, that is, well, that is a normal process. Um, just for some added context, there, guys regularly will ride the golf cart because they're usually still wearing some of their gear, and it's just faster because they've got so, part of the, yeah the shut down. And so they just ride the golf cart from the locker room to the x-ray room. No big deal. That is a well, normal thing. The other, the other place I was going with that, on top of everything AJ just said, Confirmed. being completely accurate, the abs were using the golf cart a lot last night because they had to do Sportsnet, TNT, and regular media availability. So, like, Josh Manson and Gabe Landeskog showed up to media availability in the golf cart. And so, like, they were just using it to, like, transport guys around last night. Uh, and on top of that, like AJ said, some like that – anytime guys have, you know, x-ray stuff, lower body, it's almost always on the golf cart. Yeah. And uh, I think it was 
Tyler Columbus from 104.3 X Bronco, who was talking about this uh, a few weeks ago, because D-Mac and I had seen Josh Manson go into the X-ray room. This was regular season. And Tyler Columbus, former Denver Bronco, was saying, he's like, yeah, dude, that's extremely commonplace. He's like, more guys go to the X-ray room after games than you would realize. Yeah. Like the first thing you do after games is you say, Hey, are you feeling all right? Like you check in with the trainers. This feels funny. Oh, I'm good. I blocked that shot. He goes, they get x-rays for everything. And 95% of the time people are none the wiser. Yeah. And well, and the only reason it ever becomes a thing is because the hallway (laughs) that we walked down is where the x-ray room is. Uh, So it's just not, it, it's just not that big of a deal uh, because they like, like, like you said, they do it all the time. Uh, Manson, I've seen Manson get x-rayed. Like that guy gets x-rayed all the time. Do you think he tells the x-ray guy nice play every time? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, he's, he's such a phenomenal interview. He's, he, he's, he's the, he's the exact opposite. Like Darren Helm, super nice guy. But if I had to hear that guy say pucks in deep one more time this morning, I was going to get up and walk out of the media room. <laughs> I was like, bro, we get it. We get it. And Manson's just very. Talks just about very it. Very Josh Manson. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the fact that he's like the go-to mic'd up guy now because everybody's like. Yeah. And like you, you find out he, he was telling us that when he, when he first got to Colorado, that it actually wasn't until he was like, in like a teenager that he decided to pursue hockey full-time he wanted to go be a pro snowboarder and i was like oh yeah no that adds up that's yep, cool yep 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 yeah so i he, he said that he like gave up snowboarding over a decade ago because of hockey and stuff but I'll, like i'll bet you he's sick like i'll bet you that dude just like rips it up with his who's putting stick? all of these i don't know why <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah going off today i was gonna say <laughs> No, I changed that. But it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, I guess I guess that's it. We've reached the end of the show for today. So, thank you everyone for watching, listening. However, you consume the pod, we appreciate all of y'all a ton. Uh, we will be back tomorrow with pregame, watch along, postgame. I should be at the bar. I'm not going to make any guarantees, but. You know, negative tests got to be coming pretty soon here. Uh, <laughs> either way, be sure to tune into all of that. Also, uh, two more round two series start today. We have videos on the YouTube previewing uh, both the battle for Alberta and the uh, the East Coast series between the Rangers and Carolina. So go check those out if you want to prep yourself for the series today. Uh, but other than that, we are out of here and we will talk to you on the next one.